0: Today, on the Stack of Words cast, we talk about being arch enemy and dealing with those that are. In addition to that, due to the lack of general news and magic, we decided to talk about a couple of manga and animes that we both enjoy. Buckle in, it's going to be a good one. Hi, and welcome back to the Stack of Words podcast, everyone. As always, this is Nico here joining you, and I have Brandon with me today. How's it going, Brandon?
1: Present. Good to hear, good to hear.
0: Glad to have another week with you. Got to see you in person pretty recently, and I'm happy for that, too.
1: Yeah, Had some nice non-Florida weather. It was great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, we are back today uh, to talk about... Arch Enemy, and Arch Enemy and uh, CDH, good God, uh, we're not that good, in EDH, and uh, our views on it just, you know, it's been covered by some people before, but uh, I think we have some content or some good points of view to add.
1: I hope uh, to God we have some content, we're doing yeah. a whole podcast on it. Yeah,
0: but before we get into that, we have uh, not much news right now as uh, we are in the weeks after... Innistrad's launch, so right now we're just waiting on some cards to come out as broken and to be banned and standard.
1: Yeah, we just need to be able to bask in the glory of not having constant previews for the two or three days that we get that.
0: Exactly. We can appreciate Innistrad for the whole five minutes. So, we will do our best doing that, but because we don't have any news, I figured today that we would share something outside of the World of Magic that we both enjoy. Brandon, if you would like to go first, I'm very interested to hear what you have.
1: Yeah, so for me, it's a manga. It's called Mashle, M-A-S-H-L-E, of muscles and magic. So it's kind of a, um, it's a mix of like Harry Potter and uh, I don't know if you know Black Clover. I do. Maybe a, maybe a little of like a One Punch Man type humor. Okay. So it's it's in a Harry Potter like world. Hmm. But the main character doesn't have magic. So technically, he was supposed to be murdered as a baby. Huh. But he has that very Saitama sense of humor, but okay. also he's super physically overpowered, like Saitama or Asta. Okay. Where okay. everyone's, oh, I'm just going to use magic all the way. And he's <laughs> just like, nope. Bam. Quad magic. Kick <laughs> to the face. Quad, Quad. Is that a thing? Quad magic? he used quad magic at one point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Uh, it's like hilarious. 80 chapters in. So it's a little, like, a year and a half old. It's great. <laughs> I would love for it to get an anime, but we'll see.
0: That sounds amazing. It's just, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was a tiny little Japanese man in a manga, <laughs> that yeah. sounds, that's hilarious. <laughs>
1: it's amazing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. And you said that's Mashle?
1: M-A-S-H-L-E. I will preach the gospel of Mashle.
0: Okay. I'll try to uh, put a link up for uh, some way to at least look at it in, uh, on the internet in the show notes. I was bad about show notes this last week. I need to go back and edit them. But in the future, I'll make sure to include the links to everything we talk about in the show notes. Was that all for Mashle?
1: Yeah. It's just I. more people need to read it. It's an anime.
0: I think I need to read it. You mentioned that you want to talk about mango right before we started recording and that I think needs to be read just because it's unique if nothing else.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a distillation of a bunch of different media that just works mm. as a as like
0: a satire. That sounds awesome. So, strange times because as you know, but maybe other people don't know, I am not not a
1: manga fan, I guess. You're not, you're not a weeb yeah. in any sense of
0: the word. But I do really appreciate the art form and the storytelling, the storytelling media around it. So with that, like I've read a few, not very many, but there I is think one. the only
1: one I've heard you talk about is Berserk.
0: Yep, Berserk is one. Uh, and then other than that, just like little things here and there. But there is one I've read pieces of, and I heard about this years ago, and I'm actually going to read it now because we are in the spooky month. And I know that you're not a huge Halloween fan, but I certainly am. And this, you might have heard of it, is called Uzumaki. And I'm probably mispronouncing it because it's straight up Japanese. You can... if, if
1: it's like Naruto's last name, then you got it right. <laughs> but
0: I have not heard of it. It is a horror manga. And I hoping I'm saying manga correctly. And for those, mm-hmm. yeah, I always say manga, and I have to consciously now, focus one of them mangers <laughs> one of the mangers we're from west virginia it's manger it is about it, like i said it's a horror manga and this girl is in this town and again it's been a few years since i've read the snippets i did and i'm about ready to reread it she starts having these experiences in town ends up leaving for a little bit out in the woods i think ends up coming back and these people in town are starting to have these experiences where they have these sp- spirals in their head, and it's in, it's almost like a spiral into darkness, and their heads are collapsing in on each other's. She walks in a run room. Some person has twisted themselves into not a pretzel, but a spiral because they are obsessed with it, almost like a Cthulian horror-type thing where people are going out of their minds in a way that they're almost worshipping this thing without even knowing what they're doing. And it's actually... I just Googled it because I wanted to look at it a little bit before talking about it on the podcast. And it is actually getting a Toonami anime run. Uh, It's a little bit postponed right now, I'm sure, because, you know, of world events. But it's supposed to be coming out, I think, within the next year, year and a half. And I think it would be very cool to see it. And the art style, I'm sure you would dig this, Brandon, is very comic book-like. They've kept all the hand-drawn, almost pen-drawn features in a black and white. And it's like a moving picture.
1: Yeah, I'm looking this up as you're talking about it, and some of the art style kind of... One of the pictures I saw really reminded me of some of the later Black Clover manga chapters. Really? It seems pretty interesting, yeah.
0: It's supposed to be a good read. I've heard very good things about it. And again, I've never, unfortunately, finished it, but it's on my list to finish this month as a bunch of other, like, H.P. Lovecraft books that I'm behind on and several other horror books. But yeah.
1: Yeah, it looks fairly... um decent decently sized to get into I'm seeing like four or three volumes which isn't a ton yeah and I it's think probably it's probably 30-ish chapters maybe
0: I believe so I think you're right with the three volume because I know there's an Amazon listing for it for like an all-in-one three volume set so mm-hmm. but yeah that's all I have for the not news section of the week
1: and then I will just also include that uh, I finished the dress Rose arc in one piece this week I will uh I'm a convert, so I'll preach the One Piece gospel as well. <laughs> nice. Go watch One Piece. Yeah,
0: I, I, maybe eventually. But we are not an anime podcast or a manga podcast. We are...
1: We're barely anime. even a magic podcast.
0: Barely. We're trying our best, but I think we're doing a good job. So, again, like we said, this week is Arch Enemy, and with that... I think, I don't know, broadly, we both have several different points. We take notes independently and come to the show and share them briefly beforehand and know that we're not completely off-guilter from each other.
1: We but, don't cheat off each other. Exactly.
0: Not n- None of that copying and changing a little bit. I think we normally come with often two kind of sides of things, uh, and sometimes they line up. So with that said, I have three different... Types of decks and several examples, and I'm sure there's more than this. These are just ones that I really think deserve the hate when they come to the table. Or not the hate, but just that arch enemy role. Is combo decks, oppressive stacks decks. And something that is not included in stacks often is discard. I don't see it in the conversation, but oppressive discard decks. That is a personal hate of mine because I just really hate playing against it. Because it it t-
1: falls under the general umbrella of resource denial, so...
0: Yeah, and it really just... Those are decks that I personally have a hang-up with, and I normally tend to target uh, at all cost because I'm not trying to play the game, especially if they don't have a quick win con, so...
1: Yeah, uh, if it if it's not what you signed up for, that's a thing as well.
0: Yeah, and I'm one of those people that I will... There's a, uh, Jimmy actually plays Discard sometimes, and he enjoys it. It is something I'll sit through because he enjoys it and you know, there's more than just me sitting at the table, but it is never something I want to sign up for. <laughs> I
1: mean that's when you counterplay
0: a graveyard deck.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're playing Nath? Okay, I'll play Marin. Cool, cool, cool.
0: Yeah, in the moves that just bother me with <laughs> discard is Sire of Insanity. Mm-hmm. That card landing without anything to stop it, and then everyone just getting rid of everything, and then playing the two hour game of ripping off the top until the discard deck manages to pull ahead. I just don't love it. So my normal thing is to also, and this is the arms race discussion that I think is actually part of this and where Arch Enemy too often can lead. But I normally just come with a combo deck if I'm going to play against that. And normally I come with getrog because it's an instant speed thing and I'm just going to try to blow it out of the water before it has a chance to do anything. But yeah. wh- what do you think, Brandon? Those are the three types I have.
1: Yeah, I mean... Combo, if it's super hard line, you just never know when when it's gonna pop, mm-hmm. and that's just a a problem, mm-hmm. as the kids would say. But yeah, now stacks. I'll say that one time I enjoy playing stacks is when it's understood among the table. I'm just thinking back to a a game I played at my old LGS where a buddy has a more or less C D H Derevi deck. Mm. And it was just three of us going up and trying to figure out how to get through the puzzle. But no, nah, you sit down at a random table and someone's dropping, dropping winter orb. It's something's gonna miss.
0: Yeah,
1: or like not even just winter orb.
0: Very recent examples are Tegrid. Uh, is a huge target. She's just a brutal, brutal commander to play against. My Tevish deck, which I bring up often, and I don't think people probably realize it unless you play against it it's just you can back me up on it it's just a lot of miserable experiences if you're trying to play creatures
1: yeah i mean i think it really bringing that up i think it a lot of the feel bad portion of arch enemy Mm -hmm. boils down to resource denial yeah so i'm thinking with that you got your grave packs then there's discard decks stacks decks where it's mana or resource denial Yep. I mean, you could even throw some MLD in there where it's not played that often, but it, it induces the salt.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think those ones draw the immediate... I think people are less tolerant of those. Uh, a Grand Arbiter is another one that, if someone sees it, they don't, care, they don't care what you say. You might say, hey, this is my fair Grand Arbiter deck. People are going to be saying no.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm playing a Cleric Tribal yeah. or Advisor Tribal. Yeah,
0: people are still going to kill you. So same thing with Tegrid, I think.
1: That's and, why you play Haunt of High Tower and put Tegrid in the deck.
0: Yes, yeah, Tegrid in the ninety nine is fine, but in the in the command zone, it's crazy. And the other one is combo decks. I think this is the one that people are a little bit more tolerant of if they know. And normally they're just probably going to play a blue deck with counter spells in it, but they do draw a lot of hate. the yeah. examples I have are decks like Brea, Zerda, Narset, Urza, Gitrog, and the uh, There's a million of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the good thing about those decks is game ends. You're not like you're not stuck there for an hour. Yeah. Oh, someone demonic consultations Thassa's Oracle. Okay, cool. Let's shuffle up and play another one.
0: Exactly, and then same thing for Get Rog. Get rog is my closest CD closest two CDH deck, and I just combo out at the very end of somebody's turn and normally win but through like a tendrils of agony line or one of those things or I an mean, ebony charm actually. So, yeah, I I like combo decks because I, I think you hit it on the on the button. Is it allows you just to move on to another game rather than sit there for like another two hours.
1: Yeah, as I get older, I value my time a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah. I just I don't, don't have time for that. Yeah, that's why I don't play Dark Souls.
0: <laughs> well, I I can see I can see that a lot. I I don't play many video games anymore, unfortunately, just because so many other things going on. But I can always get behind some Dark Souls so.
1: I just think time into Civ. It's mindless <laughs> and I have 50 other games I haven't finished and I'm just going to round up another run out of Civ. I
0: get that. I'm that way with Resident Evil, so. Resident Evil 4 for the 10th time. That's what I'm about. But, Brandon, what is your next bullet point that you have?
1: So, you, you have some big archetypes there, but I'm thinking when is a certain type of deck the um, the archenemy? So, With an aggro deck, when to you is an aggro deck arch enemy?
0: That'd be difficult to say, to be honest. I would say it is hard for an aggro deck to ever be arch enemy, unless it is incredibly fast. A recent example of that is actually one that I've built, and I'm not trying to be hot on my own crap here. It's just, I tend to see it just pull ahead a lot, is Minota. And that dips into, it it just outpaces the rest of the table to the point where everyone's in, Danger immediately, or Xenogos, I guess Xenogos gives everything haste, so it pushes it a turn ahead of everybody. So that's what I would think.
1: My my thought here was so naturally big presence of creatures, right? But then some sort of resiliency. So you have an onboard avison, you have onboard aestheticism.
0: Yeah, I don't think you like have. You
1: have a way to vigor. protect it in hand vigor. You. They know you have a Make-A-Stand or an Akroma's, um Will. That's the new one, right? I believe so. Something like that where you the, the table knows a board wipe's not going to get them out of it. Mm-hmm. There are very few, like an Exile-based board wipe might get them out of it. Right. What's the next one you got? So, control. Well, so, I- for this, I mean, we talked about the the stacks type control. Uh-huh. But then, if you have like a Mystic Sanctuary, like board wipe lock or a <laughs> counter lock, something like that,
0: I can tell you the exact <laughs> moment that everyone has experienced, and they'll know what I'm talking about. I guess a control matchup that it's not stacks based. It is after a successful board wipe, where the blue player sitting there is watching very closely. They have some resources in the board, and they let that board wipe resolve, and mm-hmm. then they just play one big thing and then sit with a lot of mana untapped and they slow they're like cool i am now <laughs> king of the castle and those are the moments i fear from control players is when it's an unassuming swing in their direction because now they have all the time in the world
1: yeah they don't have to commit to the board Nope. they're just waiting for everyone to have overcommitted and take advantage
0: yep and now they can do the it's not a one for one but they can do essentially a one for one and keep it going with a counterbalance or repeated board wipes like you just said with the mystic sanctuary
1: or bringing back a glundra lundra archmage and yep dealing with the persist or counter yep
0: and those are <laughs> dangerous and miserable moments and i think everyone's yeah. sat through one of
1: those and then i mean the we talked about combo yep i mean you know someone has a combo in the hand or can get it or if they're but, playing
0: a commander that is a combo, like Brea or Ursa. Or Godo, yeah. Yeah.
1: And the other one I had just random type of decks that have a, a lock or an arch enemy moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like a Petitioner's Apostles rat deck with a Thrumming Stone on the board. That, yeah. you know, you're you're in danger if you don't do something.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to think. I guess it just kind of falls into the there's just a certain point that people know that there's just a very big discrepancy between what everyone else has going on and what you've just done. And normally mm-hmm. it's over the course of one turn for what you've talked about.
1: Yeah. Something where you pop off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then you have like a Tatiova where it's just pure value and someone's just accruing something like crazy.
0: Yeah, and that, kinda, that kind of actually moves, it's a very good segue into my next point was kind of... Mm-hmm how to be the arch enemy and a specific thing I thought about and I've mentioned this before and it's something that I try to practice now in my games is I sandbag for a little while because you don't ever it's okay to be the arch enemy and we can expand on that into other avenues in a minute but if you're going to be the arch enemy it is best to be the second one
1: so mm. and,
0: <laughs> so lead everybody to kill the one person and throw them off the ship and then say "Ha! I'm actually ready to win
1: I can't tell you how many times I have the word sandbag on my notes right here.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So we're in the same headspace because that is, I think, yeah, we've, I think we both talked about it before. And sandbagging, if you're going to be the arch enemy, I think is super helpful. If you know you're going to be the arch enemy or you are. So go ahead.
1: Or you just know that someone's going to board wipe here soon. Like mm-hmm. I, you can't overcommit to a board. While I, I do that in certain decks, where I'm just like, oh, this is all in balls to the wall. We're doing this shit. Right. You you can't in most decks go too hard in the paint.
0: And there's uh, my Emery deck, which is a it has a, several different win cons, but my favorite one is one that a lot of people don't like, but it's Mind And even if I get one Mind off, it can tend to swing the game. So far, in my favor I'm going to win. And that's without just repeating it forever. But those games, I can think of one game that actually kind of brought the sandbagging mentality to my attention because it was a game I sat down with. It. Everyone's like, well, we got to kill Nico first. He's going to mind slaver us to death if we don't. And then I proceeded to only draw two lands for about 10 turns. <laughs> <laughs> and then people, they knocked me down to like 15 life. I sat there, didn't do anything. And then. They killed each other slowly, and then all of a sudden, I had a turn where I could play a zero cost spell over and over, and then brain freeze everyone to death. So, sandbagging, I think, is super important, even if you know that you are the arch enemy sitting down. You just play slow, and you will probably survive.
1: Play dead. See, with my, with my one arch enemy deck, so we have our contractually obligated um, me mentioning elves right now.
0: Yep, yep. Um, Check that box off for the episode.
1: That uh, that deck's all breaks no gas, or wait, <laughs> scratch that, all gas no breaks.
0: <laughs> that sounds like the worst elf deck ever. All, all breaks. breaks no gas. I'm playing nothing but ten drops and Marwin.
1: That's it. <laughs> all crater hoofs all the way down.
0: Yeah, no no elves but her.
1: <laughs> nah, that that deck though, that deck just I you can't sandbag with an elf deck, you just can't.
0: And I think that's because. It lends to the aggro strategy. You're trying to win through combat damage, usually, if I'm not mistaken. And you got to do
1: it fast. Yeah,
0: you got to kill everything before someone kills all of your things.
1: And it's basically got to be in one turn. So yeah, if you're not committing, you're you're dead.
0: And Winota is kind of like that too. Now now that I've played her for a couple weeks, Uh, I've only had it for two weeks since your bachelor party when you came in. And every time I play her, it's kind of balls. The I'm just I. It's an aggressive mulliganing deck. I'm trying to get out those two early turn creatures before she lands on turn three or four and then immediately start swinging. So, yeah, you just don't have time in some decks, even if you're going to be the
1: archenemy. Yeah. You just got to lean into the skid. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So what do you got next?
1: So different flavors of arch enemy. So like when when arch enemy occurs and how it differs in your mind. OK, so I have early game. That's not necessarily, in my mind, someone's close to winning, but it's one player jumping out to an early lead.
0: <laughs> With fast mana, I assume, like
1: Sol Ring, so, Yeah, Signet. something like Sol Ring, or, I mean, going back to Elves, Lana War, into Marwyn, into Priest of Titania, and you're you're sitting on, like, 12 mana turn three.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, right. you're not winning from that position, per se. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have the game by the balls.
0: Yeah, and I think those you have to be careful. You have to have patience. I think, and it's hard to make those calls, especially in some decks. Decks like we just spoke about, like a Winona or like a Marwin, and it's difficult to say when the early time or like when the right time is. Sometimes an early game advantage is gonna be enough, and you are gonna win, so it's worth it. I can't tell you the right time that it's good to just go hamsters on turn two or three. I just don't yeah. know.
1: And it's just my mentality with that kind of deck is, I'm just going to go. If you burn me, you burn me. Mm-hmm. It happened.
0: Yeah. And you might even come full circle. I've seen it happen with stuff like that before. You get burned early. People leave you alone forever because they know that you're essentially just dead on the side of the road. And they can keep going. And then they fight each other. And then suddenly you come back later in the game. So Yeah.
1: All right. But that, that's one where it's early arch enemy. It's not it's baby arch enemy like a board wipe could probably reset everything but you can't let it you have to keep an eye open Mm -hmm. so the next one if you could guess mid game yeah so here it's a significant resource imbalance Mm -hmm. someone's snowballing and on the edge there so someone's ramped hard they have four more lands than someone someone's up on creatures or has the beginning of a lock in there Mm -hmm. something where it's still manageable
0: but normally I think this is when the table starts to somebody at the table starts to shout that you know the sky is falling at that point
1: yeah that's when the arch enemy is really recognized like you might get some shit for going turn one soul ring yeah but if you don't follow it up you might take a a shot or two but be okay Mm mm-hmm but once it starts getting to the mid-game, and it's like, is this, is this person running away?
0: Right. And sometimes people do that. And it's hard. I try to play around this very carefully. I I try to sequence out my pieces for any sort of synergistic play or combo-y play. And my combos, again, aren't always infinite. I think combos are always infinite. Are mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation. But I try to sequence in them and sneak out small pieces first. That way you have a turn where you can play it and go all at once because otherwise you end up just like you said and you just get totally wrecked because... Yeah, that... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just because everyone votes, hey, that guy needs to be off the ship. Get him.
1: Yeah, and that was always my issue when I was playing Gerard and the Lord of Extinction combo where if Mm -hmm. I play one of them, it's going to get removed because everyone knows it's a piece of the combo. Right. So I have to have that... Twelve, man, I think it was to play both to and, and all at sack once. all at once. Yeah, yep. You, you couldn't do piece that one out. So just that depends on the combo you're going for.
0: I 100 percent agree. There are times where I just have to wait because I know that I need to just do everything once. And yeah, I agree. I've had to do that as well many times, especially since I play. We play similar decks, just in a little bit of different ways. Where it's the grindy value and to get that engine set up. Sometimes Mm -mm. it requires a lot of mana, in which case the table generally, you know, they're going to arch enemy you, but they're okay with it because you just paid 12 mana to do some crazy shit.
1: Or they don't know what's going on. You can do it all in one turn.
0: Yes. Yes. And wipe everybody off the earth with an extinction. Okay.
1: And then the last one is your late game where it's, you need some help. To get yeah. over this archenemy, the late game where it's a significant board and card imbalance, or a significant presence where it takes more than one piece of removal to deal with. Right,
0: you're going to end up with like, a stack of some sort of counter spells to be able to get rid of this stuff,
1: or the Avisen problem where you need to either exile board wipe or exile the Avisen and then board wipe. Yeah, where there's there's layering of the, the threats.
0: Yep. And then they come – those are when the big deals start to happen, and that's actually when I move into a certain strategy, and it's not one – I don't know how people feel about it, but it's one that I use because there everyone's had the deal where you have the answer and you have all the bargaining power. And the way I handle this, and maybe it's not necessarily the right one, but it's hey, I'll take care of this, but I get full immunity for so many turns and I straight up t- tell the table if one person doesn't agree to this, then I'll just you know, I'll just let it go I'll sink the whole ship because mm-hmm. you have to have that and that's a I think it's a good piece
1: of bargaining power no it is, and it's it really gives you a lay of how the table is mm-hmm. 'cause so I have this I have this later on in my notes when it's playing against the archenemy, mm-hmm. but you have to make sure the whole table recognises what the actual threat is, right. Sometimes you have people that are for better or worse not on board with taking care of the archenemy. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking a lot of games with Eric and Jimmy where they just let each other get away with murder, yep, where you you just know that you don't have a willing ally,
0: yeah, and there. Yeah, they're almost, and that doesn't luckily happen so much anymore, but yeah, if there's ever some sort of collusion and the arch enemy manages to get somebody on their side, then it's almost just game over anyway. Or people make bad decisions, like what I have later, and we could talk about it for a minute here, because I only have one example, is voting, like a vote card, like an expropriate. It's just more of an example, not a whole section. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to get everybody on board with voting one particular way. And some people just don't think that you're right or they just want to see what happens and that will end the game anyway so you have to be on board and I think that just comes with inexperience with expropriate Uh, you should always vote money but that's just a soapbox I don't want to get on too much
1: (laughs) yeah no but I've also had that debate inside my head of sometime sometimes I will say there is a card on board that you just cannot let the the person have
0: yeah I don't know I just think that the times that you win with money are just slightly more Probably. than the times that you never win when everyone picks time. So, I don't know. That's a hard answer, but...
1: So, if we wanted to... If you don't have anything following that, so we could do playing against the arch enemy or playing as the arch enemy. Pick we'll, your poison.
0: We'll say playing as the arch enemy and whether or not we like it, I guess,
1: so, well, also, how do you know, or how can you tell you're the archenemy, I guess would go along with this? Because, yeah, you could be getting some aggro, but is that really archenemy?
0: Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm in the unlucky circumstance that I almost always know when I am immediately. <laughs> Either because <laughs> I sit down with the deck and everyone's like, oh god, okay. Or you know, I just have that one explosive turn and everyone's just... And you can't quite win, and everyone just is rallying against you immediately because they know it's certain death otherwise. So,
1: Touche. Mm-hmm.
0: And one thing that I actually, if I'm going to be the arch in me, and I know that it's a deck that is going to immediately get me that status, and I think I've mentioned it to you long ago, I always try because I enjoy, I enjoy playing the game more than I enjoy winning the game, I guess. Uh, I enjoy winning the game a lot, but I enjoy playing the game much more is I almost always try to build in some sort of Death Star porthole that can get blown up in the deck, whether it's getting the commander removed or making sure there's no making my things indestructible or untargetable. I like to leave a small hole for people to be able to fight back. Now, I might have an answer to it, but there's still that hole there. Mm -hmm. I think it leads to interesting gameplay, but that's just a personal preference. What about you?
1: Um... I don't actively build with that thought in mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just sometimes you can't cover up something, or you just steer into the skid of right. Well, I'm playing one board wipe, mm-hmm. but I don't actively think that way. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, ideally there's no exhaust vent, but right. a green deck, you're not gonna have great board wipes.
0: Yeah, I guess they naturally occur more often than not. Yeah, I guess it's just interesting to have them if someone, because if it's just an unsurmountable mountain immediately then it leads to, I I think, an unfun experience for the large portion of the table. Yeah. So. No, for
1: real. I guess, what I'm thinking is in the, are you the archenemy question. Mm -hmm. So, I think the dividing line in my head here, is there a possibility of deflecting? If the answer is no, you're very likely the Argenomy. Mm-hmm. or if you can put some heat onto someone else and kind of be good mm-hmm. you're not full-on enemy.
0: i think that's a good observation a very pointed thing because that game happens a lot where it's hey look at this guy's thing and you immediately turn around and say no look at this thing this is the real problem for x y and z reasons
1: Yeah, maybe they're legitimate, maybe they're a product of past games, but you know whether you can uh, deflect and buy yourself a little more time. Mm
0: -hmm. So, I think the natural question then is, do you, because it's part of being the arch enemy, do you like being the arch enemy in any situation?
1: Rarely, Mm. I'll say. When it's too late, I guess would be the one situation where... Yeah. I like it. Yeah, Where you're on top of the world. I, I've already Genesis waved for thirty five. You've performed the elder spell
0: and you are now
1: king of the castle. Yeah, no, I I, I like to keep not being Arch enemy, but mm-hmm. also I'm bad at I you you know me, I'm bad at not overcommitting to the board. Yeah. I I like to just flop my flop it out on the table and just go. Yeah, go for it. And it burns me more than uh more than I care to say, but if we're not going for it, then what are we doing?
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think, I don't know, I think we covered it a little bit earlier as well. The only other thing I have really is just when you are the Archmini, you kind of have to sandbag it a little bit and play dead if you manage to survive. And that's the only way to go.
1: Well, sandbagging and what I have here is identify your biggest threat. Mm. Because if you can knock out the person who's most likely to stop you? Right. You're probably scoff scot free. Like if you're playing two blue decks and a green deck and you're putting enchantress. Mm-hmm. If you can take out the green deck, the blue decks aren't aren't going to be able to do anything to stop you.
0: Right, cuz they're not going to do anything against your enchantments. They're just going to have to sit there in that other control game that you have the upper hand in.
1: Yeah, so if if you can take out the person most likely to stop you, Mm-hmm. that's my first priority in being arch Enemy. Yeah, it makes sense. And then, I guess, if you can't do that, is sandbagging. Is there a way for you to ease off the gas enough to ensure that you're going to be resilient after you get knocked down a peg? Right. Do you have that patriarch's bidding? Do you have that season's past? Do you have mm-hmm. that way you can be right back there? Yeah.
0: Well... I guess rallying against the arch enemy and the most effective ways to do it.
1: Yeah. The, okay. I mean, the first thing I had is the know your allies. Mm-hmm. That's the if you know someone's going to team up with the arch enemy or is inclined to team up with the arch enemy, you got to know that and identify and play around that.
0: Mm. Do you have any experiences where you've had where you cannot recruit the table for whatever reason?
1: I mean, my example I had there is the Eric and Jimmy example where. Yeah. It's the the friends that are going to stick with each other. Or, mm-hmm. thinking to the LGS, there was a husband and wife that were really frustrating to play with. <laughs> they I, always I, came I, up. I, yeah, and I baptized them with Kimball and Glacial Chasm, the very first game they played at the store.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And then after that, the, the wife tried to do a Kalia mass land destruction thing, and I was like, okay, elves... <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, you don't care about lines after turn two. Didn't play with them much after that, but no, It's you just have to identify it's it's the human side of things. You have to know who you're dealing with at this table, mm-hmm. who's friends with who, where is there a relationship where someone doesn't want to make someone feel bad, or mm-hmm. politics yeah. from a previous game where Someone was shut down, and it's it didn't oh, yeah. feel great. And
0: holdovers you, are terrible for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the psychological aspect of the game at that point. Yeah, you're just like
0: you messed me up, and I'm going to get revenge. I don't even care that we're a whole different game.
1: Or you just got pummeled by everyone last game. I you, you need to have some fun tonight, so I'm going to just back back off and let you do yeah. the thing.
0: And I think the other time that I, I've seen it is just, and I've even asked the question, hey, do we want to try to stop this and fight through it and make the game go for another hour potentially, or do we all want to just shuffle up and play a new game? And generally, there's a consensus on that too, and that's yeah. the other times so it kind of fails as the arch enemy, and they you know, unfortunately win sometimes just because people
1: are just trying to get the next one in. And I mean, that's a 100% a valid reason. Like, Oh, I agree. I would rather play five games in a night than two. Mm-hmm. There's more chance of something fun and interesting happening.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. Yeah. So that goes back to the... you got to understand the value of your time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, what you got?
1: All right, what do you need to be able to address the archenemy? Hmm. So that goes into the ally making. So do you need a board wipe? Do you need spot removal on um, a Microsynth Lattice. What, what needs to happen for the table to fight back here?
0: Okay. I think, I mean, I guess it's, it's honestly just highly dependent on the situation, right? Or are you going yeah, through a different it, way? It's it? really
1: situational awareness and knowing what's likely in someone's deck. Mm.
0: And I, do, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had arguments with people about what thing needs removed more because I see something as a bigger problem than someone else does like the person's already cleared the arch enemy but there's two pieces out and I honestly have been in so many situations where I felt hey this is the problem we have to kill this and the person with the removal is like I'm going to kill this thing instead
1: (laughs) yeah it's the this is affecting me more so this needs to go versus no this is what's winning the game yeah yeah
0: yeah, and those are tough situations and not ones that I ever like to be in because there's always a. It, it, for me, it's fleeting, but there's a bad feel where, where, especially when the person turns around the next turn, they use the thing that I said to get rid of. And I don't. Yeah. It, always, it's tough not to say
1: I told you so. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I just look down and I say, You see, I don't do I told you so, but I say, Do you see why I was so adamant now? Because. It just did it. Yeah,
1: and threat assessment—such a moving target within just mm. the greater Magic playing community in general. Yeah, it, it's so debated. It's it's something else.
0: Yeah, and this—I used to fall victim to it a lot, where I'd just see a thing that was an annoyance to me fall down early game or come out early game, and I immediately would just use my removal against that, mm-hmm. and it was just so short sighted because. I would always end up regretting it later. And the person would—often Jimmy, because we tend to mess each other over the most. But he would just look at me later on and be saying, hey, was it worth it? That that happens a lot anyway, I feel. People look at you, oh, was it worth it to have your—use your thing two turns ago? And often it's yes, but—
1: And also hindsight's twenty twenty.
0: Right. I didn't know this person was going to combo off on
1: us this turn. Yeah, they— Showed no inclination of doing that when I killed your stasis. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry for wanting to untap. You should be
0: sorry if you ever kill a stasis. That's such a good card. That's such a good card. But yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: But I think the last thing I have for this is you got to think ahead and plan for who's going to be the king of the wasteland. Mm. So are you going to be ahead at the end, or is someone else going to be the new archenemy? Mm hmm. It's not always a science, more as intuition and knowing like what a deck does, mm-hmm. but just knowing that, okay, if the elves get board-wiped here, eh, the graveyard deck's kind of in a good spot. Yep. Or along those lines.
0: And there's there's been times, actually, I forget how I had it set up recently, but... I think, it, I forget if it was with Ink, Trader, Nephilim, or something else. But I essentially had it to where if I had an open combo on the board, however, Eric's board state, I forget for whatever reason, was stopping it from happening. And as long as he was alive, everyone else could live. And mm-hmm. it turned into this really weird game because Eric was also building up. And I think he was playing group
1: hug, which is just pillow for it. <laughs> And that's yeah. what always happens with that deck, is it stops someone from actually winning yep. until it sneakily comes in and wins.
0: Yeah. So as long as he was alive, he was like keeping everyone else alive. But everyone knew that he was also just such a problem. So it ended up being this really weird game with Eric being the dam between me and everybody else. Like a mutually assured
1: destruction.
0: Yep. Yep, if yeah. they got rid of him then everyone else was also dead. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool. Uh, I don't know. It's a very interesting concept and I don't there's apparently a lot of bad feelings about or not, I don't know a lot. It's a I guess a white swathing and probably inaccurate statement. But I have heard some people express disdain for arch-enemy, uh, it's not even a verb, but putting that title on somebody and screwing them over in a game, but I think it's so much natural yeah game. when there's
1: someone so far ahead it's mm-hmm. just you gotta knock them down like
0: and people i don't know if they've played they like uh you grew up with me for playing uh in like board game states and i think you've played illuminati with us uh, mm-hmm. back in the day and i grew up playing illuminati and games like that or we would adjust rules in other games like I just played a lot of different board games growing up, but there was always that concept of hey, that person's about to win. This happens in Munchkin a lot too, or uh, even like
1: something like Uno.
0: Yeah, that person's about to win. Every yeah, Uno is a perfect. Example. Everyone just be primed to get <laughs> called Uno four, first. Draw four, skip. Draw like that person gets
1: just railroaded. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I think I don't think there should be any disdain or negative feelings for it. I think it's so much natural it, for the type of it's game. It's
1: a part of yeah. It's a part of games. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Unless
1: oh, the person is king of the hill in this FPS. Okay, everyone just gun him down.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a very natural part, and I think it's an. I guess it's an important part as anything else. So I would agree. It's a it's
1: a part of learning to win. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you got the Patriots, the NFL, over the past two decades. Right. Everyone's gunning for them, mm-hmm. but they kept. They kept winning. They were the archenemy of the NFL for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it can happen in sports ball, it can happen in Magic. Yeah, I agree.
0: All right, man. Well, what else you got? Anything?
1: Nothing on this, but I want to, before we end, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, my future brother-in-law winning his first game of Magic last weekend.
0: Oh, I don't think I would... That would did i play in that game
1: you weren't it was uh the two headed giant him and me against um chris and eric mm. which I, I admittedly i gave marcus a nuke there right. i gave him the elves and <laughs> eric realized he was infinite before i did which was kind <laughs> of embarrassing that's funny and
0: if i recall right are those the only is that the only game those two played that night
1: I think so. I think Chris watched the football game, and Marcus was kind of like watching you guys, and yeah, trying to learn that way.
0: Yeah, he, and that's that's a good way to learn. And I, like, if anybody is new that listens uh, to our podcast, it's all. If you're overwhelmed, just sit there and ask somebody, "Hey, can I watch? And can you talk through your plays a little bit so I can figure out what the heck's going on?" Because I think that's a very valid way to learn, and it, I really took time when he was sitting at our table to say, "Hey, man, here's what I'm doing. Here's here's why the decision making process is just as important as playing mechanically." So,
1: yeah, and and I don't know if it's the best thing, but I, I like the idea of giving like a new person like a, a not like a convoluted deck, but a powerful deck. Mm-hmm. So, like giving him the Elf deck there. It kind of it's it plays itself in a way that, like there's you can't play it wrong. You can play it in optimally, mm-hmm. but it, you're still going to like hang in there. Yeah. So once it's kind of like, oh wait, if I do this and this, it does this cool thing. I think that's a simple enough but powerful deck can kind of give that spark to someone where it's like, oh, I can do these really cool things. Versus like, I'm just playing this deck and it's really basic, but I'm I'm playing.
0: Yeah, there's a fine line to walk there. You want to have something straightforward enough, but powerful enough that it's fun. Yeah. I agree. Well, all right, man. Anything else for the betterment of the podcast?
1: Not for the betterment, but <laughs> anything that I have would not be good, so.
0: <laughs> well... Uh, I would like to tell everyone, I'm going to start putting wraps around the uh, edges of the show to also remind people of this. Please uh, like and review our podcast if you like what you hear. Spread the word that way. Uh, It really does matter. It pushes the podcast further up. There are several out there already. And if you like what you hear and you want to take the time, we'd be really appreciative if you would go out and do that. Remember,
1: algorithms are overlords. appease the algorithm and while
0: i hate that truth it is truth so if you want to email us as well it's the stack of words cast at gmail.com and i also it's still a work in progress and it'll be more active over the next week as i have more time we have a facebook page up and it's the stack of words podcast and it's on facebook so if you want to get on there and like us and follow us on there and talk to us uh, Brandon, I'll be making you an admin here soon if you so want it. Uh, we'll be on there posting some cool things, maybe snippets of the show, and talk to you guys on there. So, Brandon, anything else?
1: Um, well, now that you mention it, mm. it's time to do the anime podcast of my dreams. Let's go. Do the what? I'm sorry. The anime podcast the... of my dreams. The so we're about to talk about Overly Cautious Hero. Overly Cautious Hero? Where are we going with this? <laughs> I'm, I'm going absolutely nowhere with this. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> I was just, I was just going to start talking about anime until oh, you stopped me. Oh my god! <laughs> well, you could have, and I would have been like, okay. All the right, hero all right. is cautious. <laughs> no, that's a great anime, anime as well. It's only a season. Well, I have to check it out. So it's a dude that's super over OP. But yeah, you can mm-hmm. end the podcast.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, for myself, Nico D. Han, and for Brandon, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Please remember to like and review our podcast wherever you listen. Also, remember to follow our Facebook page and email us with your questions at thestackofwordscast at gmail.com. Thanks as always for listening, and we will see you next time.